Welcome to the Seven Figure Girls Podcast, where we live, laugh, learn, and embrace the wisdom of everyday women doing extraordinary things. I'm your host, Katrina the Hurricane. Let's get ready to learn, grow, and crown. The Seven Figure Girl Podcast. We have a very special guest today. Her name is Senya Haynes, and she is an amazing author. She has created this genre of books, I would like to call it, called Jawless Jaunts. And so she is she is a woman of many talents, but I will let her introduce herself. So Senya, please introduce yourself. Tell us all that you're involved in and what you do. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so yeah, as you said, I'm the author of Jayla's Johns, which is a children's adventure book series um, centered around two characters, a little girl named Jayla and her auntie Yaya. And what they are doing is they are traveling uh, state to state, uh, learning about Black history and culture everywhere they go. So auntie Yaya is her guide and the books involve magic. Auntie Yaya is a shapeshifter. When she's teaching, she uh, turns into an elder uh, when she wants to give valuable lessons, and she's also very fun. She has this little magic glitter purse that holds treasures untold. Anything Jayla could want, she can pull out of that purse. And they just have a lot of fun while learning about the culture. So that that's the predominant um, project that I'm working on now, but I'm also an actress. Um, I also, um, so I write not just children's books, but I'm a playwright. Uh, I do a lot of things. I work, I'm a youth development practitioner, so I work with young people. I've done girls mentoring. Um, also work with social emotional learning, lots of things like that. So I do a lot and I'm a visual artist. I forgot that one. So I paint as well. Well, you truly are a woman of multiple talents. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so how did you come up with the idea for Jayla's Jaunts? So Jayla's Jaunts, uh, the way that I came up with it is because I have a niece and we were not in the same place. And so I just thought about all the things that I would like to teach her or show her about the world. And that's stemming from the fact that when I was a little girl, my aunt lived with us and she was very special in my life. So I've always valued that aunt-niece relationship. And so I kind of created the character centered on those thoughts. You know, I, I'm an aunt too, and I only have two nieces and I have like five nephews. So I actually treasure uh, my relationships with my nieces. In fact, one is born on my birthday. Oh, what a gift. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. And the other niece has my middle name. So I Aww. share something with both of them. So that is so special. That's yeah, that awesome. means a lot. So I actually wish, you know, I wanted to be that kind of auntie that would travel with them and take them on trips and go do these kind of things with them. So I think this is really a cool idea. Um, what I really like, because I am a lover of uh, African-American history, mm -hmm. um, I love that you are doing this. And so Thank why you. was it so important for you to focus on African-American or Black history? It's really a passion of mine, especially in the youth work that I do. I try to center, be, I, I work predominantly, I'm, I'm in Chicago. Uh, I work on the South Side. And uh, so I predominantly work with Black youth. And I like to center us in whatever, when, in whatever narrative I'm teaching about because we're so often erased from history, uh, told 
blatant lies, if you will, by media. And I really want to give us a different picture and a true depiction of, you know, who we are and where we've been. And travel is really near and dear to me. I'm a, I'm a self-proclaimed wanderer. I, I love to get on a plane and go. So you can already imagine how COVID <laughs> has, has grounded me and how I feel about that. But um, I, I think it's vitally important for young people to also travel and see the world. It just expands your horizons exponentially. And so this series is putting kind of both of those together. It's putting images of Black youth in different places so they can literally see themselves there and then letting them know that once they go, someone has tread this ground before you that looks like you. You have a history here. There's a footprint. We've done things here. And my, my joy is kind of digging up those stories and bringing that to light. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's so um, powerful what you just said because I was a young lady, you know, raised in Chicago and I did not get on my first plane till I was 29 years old. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then I was like, oh, I love this. And so when I was about 35, I actually got a job where it was travel mandatory, where I had to travel across the United States. Nice. And so it really made a difference. And so I have a son and he's been traveling since he was eight. Excellent. Um, yeah, so he's he's able to go to conferences with me, to different states, um, different things. He's been out of the country. Um, mm -hmm. I let him go when he was about 14. He went to Costa Rica with a Spanish class. Nice. Yeah, and so um, I think that is so important that we show our children that there is more than just the area you grew up in. Absolutely. Yeah, that Absolutely. The, the world is out there. Mm -hmm. So why did you choose to do all of the states? In the first book, Jayla meets her aunt for the first time. This is her father's sister. So she's introduced to her aunt and her magic purse and the globe that is pulled out of her magic purse. And the aunt's asking her, well, do you like to travel? Where would you like to go? And really, it just it comes down to, well, how about you spin the globe? and point, and wherever your finger lands, that's where we'll go. And when she pointed, her finger landed on the United States of America. So auntie's like, well, great, it's home, let's do it. What's the first state that starts with the letter A? So the answer to your question is, I chose to do all 50 states because I thought that teaching by region would be more fruitful than just saying, here's what's happened in America. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> it's kind of a big story. So yeah. um, I, I wanted to show her in different places. And uh, yeah, since, since it landed on the United States, we, 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 we've got a lot of places to go. Um, I guess I could have picked a smaller territory, but <laughs> yeah, let's, let's try home first, basically. So that, that's why. Right. And I, I think that's impactful because there is a line, I don't remember if I think it's in the first book, Alabama, Mm -hmm. And I love it when you say, well, this is our country. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, she, so she, um, yeah, I'm looking at that page right now. So when she, uh, she says, that's a swell place to start. Um, since it's my country, it's close to my heart. So yeah, it's ours. And right. that's another thing, because I think as Black Americans, often we don't feel, I mean, I can speak for myself and others that I know often, we don't necessarily identify as Americans. We identify as Black. 
I know that when I leave the country is when I feel my most American, Mm -hmm. but that's because I'm literally on foreign shores. But here there's so much division and there's so much going on and has always been going on, as you well know, that we feel segments and they're marginalized. So um, I do like to drive that point home that no, 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 this is yours. Mm -hmm. This is ours. And that that's that explicit um, statement and lesson is in Alabama and then also in uh, Arizona Antics, my third book, um, because they are they are actually flying a hot air balloon over the Grand Canyon. And Auntie Yaya is teaching her about the national park system and how people of color are underrepresented in these spaces. And she says, don't ever feel like you can't go to a place just because a lot of people here don't look like you. Your ancestors built this country. Its bounties belong to you too. So uh, I do like to drive that home whenever I can. Yes. And that that's an excellent message because, you know, uh, my sister, I remember one of her dreams was she wanted to get an RV and take her children to uh, the different parks. And I was like, Black people don't RV. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, let me tell you something. I beg to differ because my daddy, he did the exactly that. He got an RV. His whole thing was Alaska or bust. And so he has been living that RV life on and on for like a decade. And he, he quits um, periodically. I tell him he's cheating on his retirement to go get a job, make some money and like buy a bigger RV and then he'll go back <laughs> out there. So, but you're right. By and large, we don't. But when we do, I mean, there, there are small groups of us that, that have figured it out that, you know, there's stuff out to see and I, I want to see it. So I would encourage your, uh, I would encourage them to do that if at all possible. It's a lot yeah. out there to see. Mm-hmm. And moving from the state of Illinois to the state of Texas, because right now I reside in Dallas, Texas, mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a different world. Mm-hmm. And to know that, um, like, yeah, when I first moved here, I, I lived across the street from a farm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, I pull up to Burger King, and there's a steer looking at me. like you're about to eat my friend like (laughs) yeah not the city life you used to (laughs) no no not at all and so I think it has given me more of an appreciation of living in another state being in another state and also you know just even the political background of moving from a blue state to a red state Mm, and the different laws you have to know about and deal with and just different things in that, you know, my son going to school um, and coming home and telling me in the state constitution that Texas can vote to leave the union. <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't, wow. I didn't realize. Okay. And I said, Texas thinks it's its own country anyway. So it's just interesting. Mm. So um, just to know that, and you know, I was always up the thought, I'm never leaving Illinois, right? Really? I'll go visit other places, but I'll just only live in Illinois. But now I'm like, I love Texas, <laughs> mm. you know, and I'm like, I would be up to moving somewhere else. I'm more open to it now that I have done it, now that mm-hmm. I've traveled more and been more places. And so I think this is amazing that you are doing a whole series of children's books centered around it because they need to learn about different places. They need to learn Absolutely. the history of mm-hmm. different things. And so Absolutely. also, Alabama had a lot packed into it. That's a lot of Black history packed into one little book. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it was, the, it was the first time out. And I 
I was a little overzealous. I'm not. <laughs> you live and you learn, right? So right. Alabama, had, yeah, you're right. It has a lot packed into it. It is the first book in the series. And I think it's like, you know, it's an anchor. So mm -hmm. in that book, I did put what I call, you know, Black History Month's greatest hits. So we've got <laughs> the Tuskegee Airmen. We've got Rosa Parks, George Washington Carver. We talk about the Edmund Pettus Bridge. So it's a lot. And yes, you're, you're right. It's the thickest book in the series. But um, I have definitely tempered that. And in the subsequent books, we have like maybe two or three adventures. And sometimes it's not always necessarily... Um, a Black historical um, adventure, sometimes it's nature. So, for instance, in, in Alaska, we do, obviously, we, we have our Black story. We talk about the, uh, the troops from the Army Corps of Engineers, the, mm -hmm. black, the black soldiers who helped build the, the highway that connected the state to the rest of the nation. But then in the rest of the book, we talk about the Aurora Borealis and different, you know, the landscape of Alaska, because it's this great wilderness right mm -hmm. um in arizona we we do have our story about a quirky novelist uh but also we talk about the grand canyon you know so we do talk about the land as well and incidentally in arizona we introduce auntie yaya's good friend mona who is navajo and we learn a little bit about that history so i'm all about up i'm all about centering black stories but also uplifting any other marginalized group or little known history or little known you know story mm -hmm. that I can if it fits with the region that we're in so mm -hmm. that's how those go whereas um Arkansas though that's pretty much that's all political we go from the Little Rock Nine to mm -hmm. the first black surgeon general so yeah, you know, I, I, I've, I've eased up on the, the density of the stories, but I, I, still, I still put, and I vary them. Um, Alabama, yeah, Alabama was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was. But I think because growing up, I, was, I went to an all-Black elementary school. Mm -hmm. And so Black history was pretty much every day. It's excellent. Right. And so... I, I know I have failed my own child because even though I am a lover of Black history, I took all the Black history and literature classes in college I could. I basically made up my own African-American studies program. Right. Um, <laughs> but I did not pass all of my knowledge on. And mm. so I think this series actually gives parents the ability to read with their children, learn with their children, but also to go beyond that. Mm -hmm. and educate themselves their their families more on black history and so that's really yeah oh go ahead sorry i was just saying that's my greatest hope that's i i, I love the thought of a child with a book in their hand and a loving adult right there with them to guide them through the process i love that mm -hmm. and uh in the alabama book on the page where um it says overcome and we demand voting rights now I read this, these two sentences over and over again. And I was like, I'm gonna have to make this into a quote and put it on Instagram. <laughs> uh -huh. But um, now I know you could say peace and fights can't coexist like dry water or coal fire. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So Auntie Yaya, she speaks in rhyme, as you've noticed, mm -hmm. but she's talking about true lived experiences. And as we know, 
black history in this country it ain't been pretty right mm -hmm. so I am tasked every time I write in her particular voice to often talk about things that are very ugly um, and very complicated and explain them in a way that I would to an eight-year-old child so that I'm truthful but age-appropriate. So that sentence that you're talking about um, on that particular page, the illustration is actually marchers um, on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. And one of them is, and they're holding signs, we demand voting rights, overcome, things like that. And there is actually, they're, they're also uh, holding up a mirror. And in the mirror is, is the ugliness that they see of the people that are opposing them. Mm -hmm. And um, so when she says that, she's really trying to kind of, trying to preface the 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 next uh she's trying to preface the information she's giving her so basically it says Jayla listens as the questions and images swirl in her head auntie Yaya the elder continues to speak now I know you could say peace and fights can't coexist like dry water or cold fire it just doesn't make sense but those citizens were wise and knew nothing could be clearer than the anger aimed at them reflected back like in the mirror the peace was nonviolence because they didn't want bloodshed and their struggle, I'm sorry, and the fight was their struggle knowing they must move ahead to show the world how folks were acting. They made a great sacrifice, but to show it helped to change it. So they bravely paid the price. So really, you know, it, it's kind of explaining to her like, what, how is there a peaceful fight? What is this nonviolent protest what does that even mean aren't those aren't those um oppositional phrases and it's like no let me break that down for you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I, I do love the way that you break it down and you really explain it I love that there is a glossary at the end I was like yes come through yes oh <laughs> oh absolutely I've been with you I've been in youth development too long I'm all about teachable moments so there will always be a glossary um, because, you know, I, these are learning tools that mm -hmm. they are, they are absolutely intended from jump to be learning tools. And the reality is in the books, many things that Auntie Yaya says, uh, she will then explain. So those words are not in the glossary, but anything that she says, and there's no explanation behind it. It's just, you know, you got to get your context clues. I did want to go a little further than that. So those will be in the glossary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in Alaska book. I knew nothing of Alaska. I did not even know there was a road connecting <laughs> to Alaska because Alaska is still kind of foreign. Like I remember I went to a yeah. conference in New York and there were three black people from Alaska. I was like, it's black people in Alaska? Basically. <laughs> I yeah. said, three of y'all are here? Like what? Do y'all know each other? Y'all live in the same yeah. place? <laughs> and I'm sure every time they leave Alaska and probably sometimes when they're in Alaska, they get that exact same response. There's black people in Alaska? So yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, the, the reality is that our footprint is everywhere in the mm -hmm. world. And so that's really one of the main themes I'm trying to ch show with this series that like, we've been there. They may not talk about us being there, mm -hmm. but we've been there, best believe. So, yeah. Yes. But I'm like, now I want to go get on this road and go to Alaska and see the Aurora Lights. I was like, I have to. Right. <laughs> like that, that is one of my new goals in life. You know, right. like I've always had a goal in life. Oh, I want to go to South Africa or I want to, you know, go to Egypt or, you know, different things. But I was like, no, you know, there's so much culture 
in our own backyard that we don't appreciate. And so mm-hmm. now that I have read your book, you have motivated me to go on a Yay. road trip to Alaska. <laughs> Yay. I passed it on because that book in particular is actually dedicated to my father. I told you he was the RV guy and mm-hmm. that um, he knew that story. He learned about that story about the Alcan high rate when I was a child and it took him 30 years to figure it out. But when I was writing this book, he finally got on the road and drove to Alaska. And so um, I <laughs> I dedicated that book to him because, you know, go be a Rolling Stone. So yeah, I'm glad <laughs> that it inspired you. I was inspired by someone else and I just hope it keeps going, you know? Yeah, I, I think that you will motivate a lot of people with this book series. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I hope it really encourages and motivates people to move out of their comfort zones mm-hmm. to say there is more than just where I was brought up. There is more than just the state I live in, that there is so much world out there to see. And so I, I, I love the art. I love the concepts. I just love everything about these. And I cannot wait to actually purchase them and see the whole series. Mm. it kind of makes me sad that my you know my son is an adult but he can still appreciate these as an adult and one day he's gonna grow up and have children of his own and that's the beauty of literature aren't we still reading Shakespeare in in English class in high school so I hate Beowulf you know (laughs) I wish they would stop teaching that but (laughs) (laughs) well they should stop teaching that's a whole nother conversation right (laughs) but yeah I just to just think you came up with this concept. You came up with this idea. This is just absolutely amazing. And so I cannot wait to see the other books that come out of the series. Because you. You, you, you are really making me realize it's so much I don't know. You know, people think, oh, I know everything. No, no you don't. <laughs> there is so much for us still to learn. And that the fact that you are actually doing the research mm-hmm. to find out the things that are going on and things yeah. like that. So, oh, I mean, when you get to the District of Columbia, who knows, it might actually be a state by the end. Yeah, that <laughs> and Puerto Rico. I was just reading the news article. I was like, ooh, I might have to start changing the language in the back of my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all 52 states, but yeah, right. um, never know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but the research that you mentioned, that's really important to me. I that's That's just one of my passions. I did not grow up in an all-black school and have his- black history every day and so I literally had to grow up and kind of look for it myself so it's it's been that kind of excavation of the historical gems that I was doing in my own life to edify and educate myself that really drove me to continue to do it and go deeper so I really love when I research and I find something that not only did nobody ever told me but nobody else around me even knows those are my favorite and though the first book was really anchored in like you know the the staples uh that a lot of us know about black history in subsequent books I have and I intend to continue to really unearth those hidden and buried gems uh about our our stories um those are those are my absolute favorite to bring to light Mm-hmm. And so once the series is done, what are we going to do? Are we going to continue Jayla on to the world? Oh, absolutely. I mean, why not? Yes. The, the, yes, that is absolutely the goal. I mean, I wanted to send her to the world first, but I dialed myself back because I realized, you know what? I think that people do oh, underestimate 
the wealth that is in their own backyard, like you mentioned. The, 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 I mean, we have different climates in this country. We have, we have different landscapes. We have different kinds of people. Black culture is not the same, as you know, in Texas, as mm-hmm. it is in Chicago, as it is in LA or New York. So like the, 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 the volume of the stories is so rich. And so I was just like, you know what, let's start at home. Let's mm-hmm. really start at home. But me, I'm a globe trotter, so I absolutely was thinking of Jayla and Auntie Yaya in Bahia or in Haiti or you know <laughs> all over the place. Um, so that is uh, that's definitely something that I want to do after the series is well after this first leg of the series is complete. But come on now, fifty books—that's a lot. So I need to focus <laughs> right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I really need to focus. Yeah, um, and you know. Like, I, I can't wait to see Montana or, mm-hmm. you know, or North Dakota. Like, what, what Black history lies there? Like, were mm-hmm. there Black, I'm pretty sure there were some Black ranches or cowboys or something that's going to make an impact that, you know, we're not thinking of that you're going to find out. And so, Absolutely. You know, yeah. In Texas, I knew Juneteenth was a thing. Mm-hmm. But of course, because it took place in Texas, they celebrated to the fullest. I'm sure. And, you know, and so I was like, I just never thought of it. I've never, I never celebrated it until I got here to Texas. Mm-hmm. And so even just things like that, like you hear about it, but to be in a state where it happened and to be celebrated is something totally different. So. Yeah. I've heard that with New Orleanians who, uh, who leave New Orleans and they're like, oh, I thought they did Mardi Gras everywhere. Like we do Mardi Gras. And it's like, no, not so much. Not a show so <laughs> yeah, to be in the original state or the original place, it's a totally different experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, cause Mardi Gras is coming up and I was like, I want a king cake. And they were like, I'll just go to the grocery store. I'm like, no, I want one from Louisiana. <laughs> you, don't, you don't understand. This is this is a Texas. Y'all probably made it in Ohio and shipped it here. No, I want an authentic one from Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah. So, as as you look, because you do so many things, you're so talented, and you're such a diverse person in what you're doing. Um, if you were not such an artist, what would you be doing with your life right now? That, that's, that's a, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I, I like that question because I promise you, I've never thought of the answer before. Um, to, oh, wow. If I was not <laughs> such an artist, what would I be doing right now? That's like saying, if you weren't a woman, what, how would your life be? Like, can you imagine mm-hmm. Right? I couldn't. Right. Well, you know what? Um, I have thought about it. The, the Beyonce song, If I Were a Boy. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So she, she thought about that it one time. Yeah. So if I were not an artist, I, I would. So there are many things that I'm interested in that I have studied on my own, but I would not go get a degree in because I would not want a job in it. So like, I've always been interested in how the human mind works. And I always just, for my own edification, took different psychology classes and read different books. But I know I don't want to be a therapist. Uh, Healing arts is not in my calling in that way. Um, I'm interested, I'm very much interested in history, but I didn't dedicate myself to becoming an actual historian I just do it for myself and share what I learn in my own way um I'm very interested in genealogy as well 
And I do that on my own time, but like to be hired out and have folks, you know, pay me to go dig in their family stories, don't think I could do it. So I guess the short answer to your question is I literally don't know <laughs> what <laughs> I would be doing if I were not an artist. The best I could come up with because I enjoy the arts so much is I would have to be somebody's critic. It would have to be my job mm -hmm. to go look at art and listen to it and and taste it and and see it and then talk about it, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> just so I could be around it. That's the only thing I could think about. But um, that's a really good question. I, I truly hope I never have to find out, though. That, mm -hmm. that's, right. that's my best answer. <laughs> right. And I think that's when you know it's really your calling. That is mm -hmm. your purpose. When yeah. I can't see myself doing anything. This is my life. This is what I breathe. This is what yeah. I think about. This is what I do. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, top interview question. Um, I see myself. So I'm, I live in Chicago. Um, I will probably, I think, okay. All right. Let me paint a picture. Okay. So <laughs> in five years, I see myself still with my residence in Chicago, but traveling much more frequently than I do now because all of my travel or predominantly my travel is pleasure. I see myself traveling more for work and possibly having a second residence in somewhere uh, with a, an average temperature about 40 degrees higher than it is today. <laughs> <laughs> so I see myself in that state of being. Um, I see myself, so in five years, um, at the clip I'm going now with the way that I'm working on the books, though I will not have released them all, I think in five years I should be around, if I'm not at 40, 45 states five years from now, then I'm doing something wrong because I'm really trying to at least knock out about eight a year. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'll still be working on Jayla. I'll, um, I'll be traveling more. And I think that I will have increased my, my visual arts presence. Um, right now, the way I kind of distribute my time, I don't paint as much as I would like, but I do have a series that I've been working on for quite some time. Actually, Eddie um, Rainbow Room Publishing, he is publishing an anthology called From a Black Perspective. And I have a piece in that, I have a, a short story in there. And I also have, um, I also have my visual, my, my, my work is on the cover. So there's that. Um, I want to do more visual arts. So I think that, long story short, I'm always so verbose. You're talking to a writer, so I'm very verbose. Mm -hmm. I'll, 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 I'll summarize. In five years, I see myself doing more art and traveling more because of it. Right, There's that. that. That is excellent. And I have seen the cover because I am also one of the writers in the book. And mm -hmm. so absolutely amazing. I love it. Thank you so much. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. I can't much. wait to hold it in my hand and see it. Oh, girl, don't you know? I'm excited. Yes. So since you are so well-traveled, what is your favorite place to be or go? Ooh. Oh, man. Uh, I like to say the place I haven't been yet because I have so many on my list that, I, that I'm just chomping at the bit to get to. But the places I've been so far, um, I, Venice is one of the most beautiful 
cities I've ever experienced. And I love it being a history buff because you can literally go in one of the museums, look at a painting and look outside and it looks exactly the same. That's crazy to me from 400 years ago. That's crazy to me. There's nowhere in my environment that that can happen. Um, I love Paris. I love Paris. Um, the only place I've been on the continent thus far is Morocco. And so I really want to explore Africa in, in depth, but I've only been to Morocco, but I really love Marrakesh. So uh, my favorite, uh, I'll, oh, I went to Amman, Jordan. I learned about myself the last couple of years. I love the Middle East. So I can't do favorite. I can do top five. I can't do favorite. In <laughs> <laughs> India. Ah, how can I forget India? India was amazing. India was my first, my first uh, venture outside of the West. Mm -hmm. And that opened my eyes to so much. So yeah, I've got a top five. I can't, I can't just do one. I can't just do one. All right. So where did you go in India? Um, I went on, I guess what they call the golden triangle tour. So my goal was to see the Taj Mahal. And mm -hmm. so I went to Jaipur and Accra and um, a few other places, a um, few different states. Uh, I was there for a couple weeks. And uh, so I traveled pretty extensively um, region to region. And um, I just, the, the history, the, the vibrancy of the color, the complete, uh, the complete different, perspective of of our two cultures I, I just really love it and then then watching this this is an adventure in itself just watching their traffic I mm. literally the first time <laughs> I got there I left my hotel and kind of just stood on the street and there was like a highway and like that I could see and I was amazed I literally stood there watching and and writing I wrote some poetry about it but stood there watching for like two hours the traffic I have never seen a thoroughfare we're talking like, think of the Dan Ryan, okay, for, mm -hmm. for non-Chicago. Let's think of a highway, an expressway or a freeway that has not only cars, um, big trucks, motorbikes, bicycles, tuk-tuks, which is like this three-wheeled little moped motor thingy, and then um, like oxen, <laughs> all on the same thoroughfare. Oh, and don't forget, pedestrians crossing at their own peril, wherever they just getting in where they can fit in. Like I saw all of that happening at once. It do, what, do it they have lanes? My, no, they uh, I, <laughs> no. It, it, it was chaos on a highway, and they just they just go. They just I don't know. They just know how to maneuver around each other, and uh, yeah. So I watched that for two hours, just amazed. So um, <laughs> India, India is India is close to my heart. It really is. Um, so yeah, I got a top five. Th those places would be on it. Wow, that <laughs> you know, um, I teach a class, and in there they show a video because they're talking about how um, basically in India they don't do fast food. So they do like home cooking, but they mm -hmm. have kind of like, well, now what we would think of Uber Eats kind of for home cooking. So they go to this one house, pick it up and, you know, they take it to the um, job or the workplace of someone and they showed how they get there. Right. So, yeah, like you said, some people are on bikes, some people are on trains and like how they get the food and the food is still hot. Like they have to get it there in a certain amount of time. Mm. And so just to see all the maneuvering they do. And everything gets there on time. 
And I'm like, just on the train alone. I mean, people are on top of the train, hanging off the train. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine. It's over a billion people. And trust and believe, you know it when you're there. <laughs> it's just packed everywhere. My God. But I loved it. I really do. I can't wait to go back. I loved it. Wow. So being that you are so, so accomplished, but you have all of these things that you are working on, what do you see as one, your biggest accomplishment thus far? And two, what's the ultimate goal that you haven't reached yet? Oh, wow. Uh, biggest accomplishment thus far, I think in... All of my artistic life, I would have, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, so right now I'm holding four books in a series that I know is a 50 book series minimum, but in a series that I remember where the first one was in my head. So I feel accomplished right now, like physically holding these books. I feel great about that. It's like, I have four books, all the A's are done. I'm on a whole nother letter now. This is <laughs> awesome. So that, that makes me feel the most accomplished there. Um, when from a back, from a black perspective comes out, um, and I see my work on the cover before I even open the flap, I'm gonna feel most accomplished there. And I feel it right now, just thinking of it and just seeing the mock-ups. Um, I can remember very vividly when my first play was produced and I saw actors on a stage saying and living my words, I felt the most accomplished. So it, it, it's, these, it's these highlights that I can remember um, and I carry them with me. So even now that I'm holding these four books and my play was what, 2012, I still feel like most accomplished in that area because of that, if that makes sense. Like I mm -hmm. bring it forward with me. Um, so that, that's how that goes. And, and what have I, what have I yet achieved, um, yet accomplished? Uh, I would say that is that's probably financial. I mean, I want to be able to, you know, I would love for money just to not be a thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Just it not, it's not a thing. It ain't a thing. But, you know, I'm a regular workaday Joe. Uh, so um, I think that what I've yet to accomplish is kind of the financial success that uh, every artist wants to see for their work. You know, we put our blood, sweat and tears into this, our thought, our creativity. And so I think that, but I think that that, that's something I've yet to achieve. But I don't really, I don't sweat that. I, it, I feel like it's coming. It, it, it comes on its own when you just produce. That's your job as an artist. You continue to work, you know what I'm saying? And that mm -hmm. other stuff just comes as a result. Um, and then um, other than financial, uh, I would say, I don't know. I, I can't, I mean, with this series, I really wanted it in children's hands. I really wanted children to read it. And I have experienced that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've seen it. I've been with them. I've been in the readings. And, and like, that's like the highest testament of, of the, the mission accomplished for me with this series. And, um, you know, I have painted works that I know live in people's homes. Um, I have done films that I, I have had friends watch. Like, so I've kind of, I've done it. I, so I guess it's all scaling now, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that makes perfect sense.
Mm-hmm. But um, it's interesting that you brought up financial because mm-hmm. technically Seven Figure Girls is a financial and pageantry podcast. Mm-hmm. So in your experience, um, especially with the Black culture, what is it affecting us most financially that we can't see that, that we don't necessarily see that wealth or that abundance or have the abundance mentality? I think that because we have lived in such a deprived state all of our existence here, we tend to um, we tend to wear our wealth more than we bank it or than we grow it. Um, and I think that's a lesson that we could definitely learn. We could stand to learn in mass. You know, many of us know that, obviously. Many of us have 401ks, many of us invest in stock, many of us have other business ventures, but uh, many of us don't. Many of us get some money um, and then it's in some depreciating asset that made us feel good and made us feel special or, or accomplished or seen and didn't make us wealthier, um, if that makes sense. So I think that's, that's something that's, that's an issue in our community. Um, yeah, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Did I answer your question? Yes, yes. Okay. And also, what do you think we can really do? Like, um, and I don't know if you've looked this far into the book series, but um, like maybe when you get to Colorado and the mint is there, um, mm-hmm. will you incorporate any of that, any financial, anything? Have you thought that far into it? That's a good question. And um, actually, I'm literally writing Colorado now. No, I didn't think <laughs> about the mint. I think I have, I have, some, I have two to three um, Black-centered stories that I'm thinking of, but I best believe when I get off this phone, <laughs> I'm going to be looking up the mint. That's so interesting. Um, <clears throat> no, I did not think about uh, life values like financial literacy or or good communication skills or other things that people need to be successful and well-rounded um, beyond those being naturally embedded mm-hmm. in the Black stories that I'm telling, if that makes sense. So yes. in California, uh, which is not published yet, but is, is I've, I've completed it. One of the stories is about Miss Biddy Mason, who was an enslaved woman uh, her enslaver uh, gave her away as a wedding gift and then joined the Latter-day Saints and moved all across the country. And anyway, they ended up in L.A. And little did he know that was a free state. So he was like, oops, um, we got to go somewhere else. <laughs> but she got wind of that. And she was able to use the law and win her case and like have a posse. It was actually it was this daring adventure. Like a posse had to go after her and rescue her and all this stuff. But anyway, she got her freedom for her and her family. And then she settled, she was one of the original settlers in Los Angeles. And there's a memorial to her out there. And she's known as the grandmother of LA. And people clearly don't know that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <clears throat> in her lifetime, she went from slavery to being a very wealthy woman. And uh, she contributed to like the initial AME church out there and mm. gave plots of land stuff. She, after, after her enslavement, she became a midwife, worked for the doctor and I, she just amassed a lot of money. So 
in that story inherent is that literally you can go from enslavement to great wealth in one lifetime. And if you're interested in studying that or just knowing that that can happen, that's there for you to see. I always think of my work as, especially with these, these children's books or when I work with young people as a mentor, I'm into experiential learning and I'm into exposure. So it's like, Look, I want to give you something that you might not have gotten. Where you go with it is up to you. But mm-hmm. here, now you know it exists. Now you know these things happen. Now you know this is available. If it interests you, if it suits your palate, please, by all means, go deeper. So while there may be 100 children who read about Miss Biddy, you may get 50 different lessons from it. Someone might think, oh, mm-hmm. she was ballsy. She fought for herself. Some might think, wow, enslavement to wealth in one generation. What's that about? Wow, we're not lazy like they tell us. Someone might get something else. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, mm, I yeah. So that's one story where when you talk about financial literacy, it's like, no, I'm not sitting down with Auntie Yaya <laughs> getting a calculator with her and talking about this and that but there is a story that demonstrates how wealth um improved the, her life outcome and now she's known as the grandmother of uh, the second largest city in the country so there's that um yeah wow like i said i cannot wait for this, <laughs> this series because i'm like no never heard of her never yeah yeah yep and i never had until i did so i get it i totally get mm-hmm. it amazing yeah. And um, if you don't know, I am a pageant queen. Mm -hmm. And so right now I am Miss Texas All World Beauties Plus 2021. Well, congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) And so what has been your thought or opinion on pageantry, if you had any? Um, I... I've had a few thoughts, not many. I was a I was a tomboy growing up. Um, now you have to pay me to make me put makeup on. <laughs> Literally, like I have to be going on set. Otherwise, it's not happening. So that that has not been my particular ministry. Um, but so in so here here are my thoughts. In the 90s, um, when the Jean Bonnet Ramsey thing was happening, mm-hmm. that was one of my that opened my eyes, like, oh my God, they're what are they doing with their five-year-old kids trying to make them what? So that opened my eyes to like the world of pageantry. And I was just like, wow, it starts so young. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I actually, I used to watch Miss America when I was young. I do remember that and Vanessa Williams. Mm -hmm. um, I remember that. So I was like, wow, a black woman. So um, I don't, I mean, I think that, I think that people, people's talents, um, express in so many ways you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like some person may have a talent and be called to to heal a sick heart literally a heart surgeon some person may have a talent to be the best mathematician some person may be naturally beautiful and take that platform and go to because they're beautiful and because they won pageants and we're given a platform then they're able to bring something else to the world of how how to how to shine your own beauty or some other um some other passion of theirs that they wouldn't have had access to had they not been endowed with that if that makes sense so i think that what i know about pageantry which is very very little but all of the women that i've seen that have won pageants they were they had a platform then and they were able to spread some kind of message to do some kind of good and i think that's awesome i love that answer and that's 
that really is um, what pageantry is about. Like I got into it because as a little girl, they used to send the pamphlets to our house and my mother was like, no, you can't do it. And so, you know, I was like, it was always something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, at the age of 38, I got into my first pageant. Hey, and- now, I love that. <laughs> yes, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I came in second place with no coach, no help, no assistance. Okay. And so I was like, oh, I placed. And the second pageant I did, I did, you know, just to kind of as a hobby. And mm-hmm. I placed second again. And I was like, if I can play second without any assistance, what can I do if I actually get people to help me? So, yeah. so this will be my um, third title, uh, my third competition that I'm in. And I'm 42 now. And so um, I'm excited. But I, I love what you said about the platform because that's what it really is about. Um, it's about being of service. It's about really helping people. So yeah, the getting dressed up and, you know, cute dress and some makeup is fun, but I only do that a few times out of the year. What am mm-hmm. I doing the rest of the year? You know, so yeah. I'm volunteering, I'm on a board, I'm, I'm teaching financial literacy. And so that mm-hmm. just happens to be my platform is financial literacy because um, even within myself and growing up in my household, I felt that we were not taught the proper things financially mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that if you, the younger you teach it, the more you will instill it and the further we can all go. So yeah, that is my goal um, with that. That's awesome. And I think, you know, just hearing you talk about it a little, I think it's actually very clever. Like being in the classroom, I know that I'm most successful teaching when I kind of trick them into learning. Like the activity is actually fun, but the goals and the values are like embedded in it and they get it without me having to be like, no class, you know? And <laughs> The reality is in this society in particular, we're very beauty obsessed. Um, And especially for women, it's it's a very beauty, it's a youth obsessed and a beauty obsessed um, society. And it's, it's a very high value of us, ours. So it makes a lot of sense to have a beautiful icon kind of hit you with that really, really, really life important stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. they get it and they don't know they're getting it because they just like, oh my God, I'm so glad to be in the presence of this, uh, you know, this Kim Kardashian or this other beautiful, the beautiful people, you know, I'm so mm-hmm. glad to be in their presence. I think they're so cool. And it's like, yeah, but I actually have something to say. And you were very open to it because of this other thing. So it's pretty clever, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. So where can people purchase your books? Good question. So I sell my books on my site, Palindrome Global. Um, I started a publishing company to be the vehicle to get my work out. And my name is a palindrome. So palindromeglobal.com is where I sell the books. And also our dear friend, Eddie, Rainbow Room Publishing, he uh is a collaborator of mine and on a number of books he co-published so they're also available on his site that's rainbow room publishing and uh yeah those are the those are the predominant places that i sell them and where can we see your artwork well in a few weeks on the cover of eddie's book so there's that (laughs) i'm so excited and i'm actually in the process of building my website now uh, it'll be senyahaines.com. I've had the domain. I'm, I'm so lazy with tech. My God. I've had the domain for years because I'm like, you know what? I just need to go ahead and buy this. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, uh, 
I haven't done anything with it because I was working with my other stuff, but this is the year. So I'm going to finally have a, a repository for all that I do. So it's going to encompass my writing, which is more than just children's books, my, my plays, my poetry, all the writing that I do. Um, it's going to encompass my visual arts, um, my youth development practice, because I mentor a number of youth. And um, yeah, it's going to have all of that together. And so that's, that's coming. That's coming down the pike. But right now, um, the books are on sale at the two websites, mine and Eddie's. All right. So, and I will also have that listed on my website, sevenfiguregirls.com um, with your uh, bio and picture. So Thank it'll you. be able, so people will be able to link to that also. And so before we go, is there anything that you have on your heart or mind that you really want to say to the listeners? Hmm. Seven figure girls. Well, I mean, I love the, I love the title <laughs> just <off laughs> out because I think there should be many, many more of us who are in the seven-figure club. How about that? I think that, um, you know, I think on a, on a personal level, the it, I feel like one would be their most gratified if they get there by really finding what they love, their true, true heart's passion, and monetizing it. Because trust and believe, especially in 2021, anything can be monetized you just have to have the drive get the resources the help to go behind it but literally anything that's from a physical commodity people are monetizing fetishes like anything can be mm -hmm. monetized and so i say that you know um as opposed to, you know, where they tell you these are these are the five jobs that'll make you a lot of money, go do that. Find what you love, what you will really what you would do for free and figure out how to go make your seven figures off of that. And trust and believe someone is doing that in that exact same thing. So it can be done. So I think just kind of um keep that for keep that forefront in your mind that it can be done. Yes, you can. I think. Yeah, simple message. You can just mm -hmm. try. You can. I love That's that. I got. <laughs> that was great. So I just want to thank you so much for being on the Seven Figure Girl podcast. You are an amazing guest. Um, I can't wait to have you on again, and I know that'll be soon. And so everyone out there in podcast land, we will see you back in a couple of weeks. Have a good one. Great. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Seven Figure Girls podcast. To learn more about Seven Figure Girls or 7FG, check out our website at sevenfiguregirls.com. Please subscribe, share, and rate us anywhere where you can listen to your podcast. Until next time, cherish her, embrace her, honor her, and always crown her.